Hey family, Kevin Wallace here from Redemption to the Nations Church. We've got a message for you today that I believe God gave me to bring strength and hope and joy to your journey. I want you to get your heart open. I want you to get ready to receive this word. I don't believe your life's ever gonna be the same again. God's getting ready to take you to a new level. I'll see you at the end of this message and we'll pray together. God bless, enjoy this word. I wanna finish something, uh, maybe revisit a few things I talked about yesterday. Um, I, I was gonna go in another direction, but I just, I don't know, this is in my belly, so I'm gonna preach what's fresh, amen? Uh, I want you to go to Romans chapter 13, uh, verse 11 and 12, and then I'm gonna ask you to go to Acts chapter 20, and my message today, um, I'm gonna preach a message today called Restoring Dropouts. You'll figure it out in a minute. Look at verse number 11. To live like this is all the more urgent for the time is running out and you know it is a strategic hour in human history. How many know it's a strategic hour in human history? It is time for us to wake up for our full salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Night's darkness is dissolving away as a new day of destiny dawns. So we must once and for all strip away what is done in the shadows of darkness, removing it like filthy clothes. And once and for all, we clothe ourselves with the radiance of light as our weapon. How many know light is a weapon? I want you then to go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. And I want to read a couple of passages of scripture here. And this is an interesting story. Some of you have never heard it before, and some of you heard it for the first time yesterday. Some of you knew it was there, but I believe there's something for us this morning. As soon as all of us, as soon as all of the Passover celebrations were over, we sailed from Philippi. After five days, we joined the others in Troas, where we stayed another week. On Sunday, we gathered to take communion and to hear Paul preach. Because he was planning to leave the next day, he continued speaking until past midnight. Many flickering, somebody say this, many flickering lamps. Say that, many flickering lamps. I love that. Burned in the upstairs chamber where we were meeting. Sitting in an open window listening was a young man named Eutychus. As Paul's sermon dragged on, Eutychus became drowsy and fell into a deep slumber. Sound asleep, he fell three stories to his death below. Paul went downstairs, bent over the boy, and embraced him. Taking him in his arms, he said to all the people gathered, Stop your worrying. He has come back to life. How many know that's a good, good place to say praise the Lord right there? Paul went back upstairs, served communion, and ate a meal with them. He then picked back up where he left off and taught until dawn. I mean, filled, with, yeah, filled with enormous joy, they took the boy home alive and everyone was encouraged. I believe it was that 10th verse that said that a young man fell out of a window, dropped three stories to his death. And I want to talk about restoring dropouts. How many know God's got a plan for people who have fallen Anybody remember the old lady that fell in the bathroom? The commercial came on. She said, help. Come on here. I've fallen. And I can't get up. Well, I want to tell you today, you may have fallen, but you can get up. In fact, Proverbs says a just man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. Just lean over and tell your neighbor, neighbor, you're going to get back up. 
If you've been dropped, if you've fallen, if you made a mess, I believe in Jesus' name, it's time for you to get back up today. Father, help me preach, teach. Give me a spirit of revelation. Give them the opportunity to receive it. I bless them today, Holy Spirit, to have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church in this hour. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said amen. amen. You can be seated in the presence of God. Uh, I love texts that we rarely visit in church. Uh, there are two challenging texts to preach. One are One is a text that we always preach because you fight the enemy of familiarity when you have heard something so many times you think, what else can come out of this? And so when you preach a frequently used portion of scripture, sometimes that's a challenging thing to preach on. And then the other time where it's challenging is when you preach a text that we don't hear often. We don't read about it often. And maybe we haven't even known it was there or forgot it was there. This is one of those texts. It's it's interesting that this is on the third missionary journey of the Apostle Paul, and he is essentially wrapping up his missionary efforts that God has sent him on as he has launched and birthed the Gentile church. And he's going back through the places where he planted churches, and he is strengthening and reinforcing what God has already done among the believers there. And he comes to this place here in Acts chapter 20 and he is spending every precious moment that he can with his disciples, with the believers, with the leaders of the early church because he knows that his time is limited and the revelation that God has deposited on the inside of him is necessary for them to hear. You and I have to recognize one of the things that we have a limited amount of is time. I don't care how gifted we are, how many resources we have, how much money we have in the bank, how influential we are, how, how many people we lead. It doesn't really matter about what you have. At, at the end of the day, when it comes to this commodity called time, it's limited. You cannot buy more time. That's why we have to be good stewards of the time that we have. And we need to make sure, all of us, moms and dads, leaders, teachers, those who are equipping other people, we need to make sure that we're spending our time pouring into other people the thing that God has poured into us because the reality of it is we will not be here forever. Paul understood that in the next morning he would be getting on a boat and departing. And he knew that the revelation of grace that God had given him needed to be released to the people of God in that region. And so you read this and you think, is this a sermon or is this a hostage crisis here in Acts 20? Because the Bible said that he came into the upper room with the disciples and that they intended to take bread and have a, a meal together. And the next thing you know, it's midnight and Paul still keeps preaching. Why? Because the people need the revelation and Paul recognizes that his time is limited. Listen, when you know your time is limited and that there is something God put in you for the next generation, you don't have time to waste pontificating, wasting time. You, you got to get to business and you got to be speaking and releasing what God has poured in. And I'm concerned in this hour that leaders have, have missed, um, the, we're, we're missing the mark in this. We think that the mark of tremendous leadership is in how big we build something, uh, how big the ministry is. But listen, revelation may build a big following, but revelation will certainly build big people. 
And sometimes as leaders, we're more interested in increasing the number of followers than we are in growing the people who God has assigned to us and who we have been assigned to. Come on, the gospel is about building big people. I'm thankful for a big building today. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We're sit Come on, help me here. We're sitting in a debt-free building that God has filled up and we're a blessed people and I need someone to help me thank God for that. But I'm going to tell you that this gospel we preach was building big people before it was ever building mega ministries. We've got mega ministries and we've got green bean flag waving Christians who are skinny and broke down in the spirit because we're not interested in building people. We're interested in building crowds. Jesus was never interested in investing his time developing a crowd. He always pulled three or twelve to the side and said let me give you all I got I'm not going to be here forever and while I'm here I'm the light but one day's coming I'm getting on a cloud I'm getting out of here and you will be the light in the middle of this darkness and I just want to make sure that we understand here even in our local church I recognize we have guests today but 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 we're in the midst of a of, of just a blessing God is growing it, it would be a travesty for us to have a growing church and shrinking people It would be a travesty to be sitting in a mega church and not have a mega faith or a mega spirit or a mega expectation. Come on, God's doing something in us. And I want to make sure, I want to make sure with the time that we have left, whatever amount of time that is, we're, in, we're busy doing what Paul did. The, this is interesting stuff to me. The Bible says that Paul went into the upper room can you put that scripture back on the screen where it said they went into the upper room chat? I want you to see this. It said they went into the upper room and, and in this upper room. Now, first of all, let me, let me teach you what I believe this scripture is telling us. I personally believe this is the same place where the Holy Spirit was poured out. Now, I know that there are people who tell you the Holy Spirit was poured out in the temple, but I have many theologians, and I am one, I'm not a theologian, but I certainly believe what they believe. I believe that the place the Holy Spirit was poured out was the upper room. Uh, uh, yes, and if you go back to maybe the verse before that, I believe it says in Mary's house somewhere up through there in the beginning, it says it's Mary's house. Here's the point. The point is this. I believe this is the same place, these disciples meeting in the same place where the Holy Spirit was poured out. In fact, in the Greek, it's the same word used here in the 8th verse of the 20th chapter of Acts that is used in the 13th verse of the first chapter of Acts when it says they were gathered together in an upper room. The word upper room is the same in the Greek. I believe this was their meeting place. I believe this is the place where they gathered. I believe this is the place where the Holy Spirit was poured out. Don't miss this. We need to make sure we stay in rooms where we have encountered God. And not only is this place the upper room, but God, God helped me to understand that this is a room full of illumination. Many flickering lamps were burning in this room. Now, these were not the kind of lamps that you and I have today where we get a, a D battery or, 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 or we put batteries in a flashlight and turn the switch on. These are lamps that required oil. If you're going to walk in victory in this day and time, you've got to make sure you have oil because oil is the source of fire. Oil is the source of light. I, I don't know about you, but 
We don't have time for oil as church right now. We need oil. We need oil in the lamps. We need oil in our spirit. I could talk to you about the ten virgins, five, five, five wise, five foolish. And what differentiated the two is the amount of oil they brought with them for the journey. And my concern as we approach and rapidly approach and crescendo into the coming of the Lord. And you say, when is the Lord Jesus coming? I want to tell you, he could come today. He could come a hundred years from now. But whatever and whenever he comes, you and I have to make sure we have lamps that are full of oil. Because at the end of the day, we know darkness will come upon the face of the world. And the Spirit of God takes no pleasure for the church living in darkness. In fact, Paul would tell the church at Thessalonica, you are not children of the night. You are children of the day. We are not like people who are on social media walking around talking about how everything is falling apart and no one has hope and we're in the end and World War III. Every bit of that may seem true to people who are walking in the darkness, but to those who have oil in their lamps and are children of the day, we are not overtaken. We are not overcome by fear. Greater is he that is in us, family, than the one that's living in this world. Slap your neighbor and say, keep the oil in the lamp. This room is filled. This room in Acts chapter 20 is filled with many flickering lamps. The Greek word is lampas, L-A-M-P-A-S. In some places it's used as torch. In some places it's used as lamps, but it always indicates the kind of object that brings light by having a source of oil. If you don't have oil in your lamp, you are wasting the very light that Christ has called you to demonstrate everywhere you go. Light is not the product of our own power, our own intuition, our own ability. Light is the result of having a source of oil on the inside that when lit and touched by the presence of God, it comes to a place called light and the light is sustained by the oil. In fact, in Revelation chapter 4, when Jesus goes walking through the seven golden candlesticks of the church, the Bible is clear that those golden candlesticks had oil and, 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 and light could go out if the oil dried up. Hear me please. We are in an hour where we cannot just be a pretty golden lampstand stuck in a dark world and people know what the intent of the church is but miss out on the reality of light because we don't have oil in our lampstand. God give us a church in this hour that has a spirit that is opened up to the Holy Ghost so that God can pour the oil of the spirit in. I tell you what makes churches relevant. Are you ready for this? Relevance is not a cool screen and cool lights and a haze bucket and all these uh, things that go with, with, with church this day. All that's great and it helps us communicate a message. But relevance in this hour is can you help a blind man see? Relevance in this hour is can you put a broken house back together? Relevance is not are you cool? Relevance is I'm lost and undone looking for God and can you point me to Jesus when I come to your church? We need some light in the room. The Bible says that Paul started preaching. And like any good anointed Pentecostal preacher, he lost track of time. 
I told the kids yesterday as I was teaching some of this, there is a fine line between a hostage situation and a long sermon. <laughs> but there's a reason Paul taught past midnight when he probably started around 7 or 8 p.m. How do you teach that long and lose track of time? You ready for this? Because your internal world is greater than the influence of what's happening than the outside. On the outside. In other words, the light in the upper room where Paul is teaching the disciples is greater than the darkness that's going on outside. You ready for this? Come on in here. In fact, let me teach you this. When you're in a room where there's light on and fire burning and oil flowing, you will forget about what time it is and how dark it is outside. I know I'm not talking to everybody because some people are already looking at their watch. It's 1139 and the Baptist people are going to beat us to the buffet anyway. So you might as well tune in to what the Holy Spirit is saying and make up your mind. My family don't need a quick fix. My family needs a breakthrough. My children need the oil. My marriage needs the... Now, let me make a real clear statement. Nobody wants to stay longer than the Holy Ghost wants to stay. Because how many have ever been subject to people who wanted to be heard but had nothing to say? But when the spirit of wisdom and revelation is in the room and the fire is burning and the oil is flowing, God don't give me the kind of spirit that quenches what God is doing, but give me the kind of hunger to say, Lord, I'm feeling this. I'm receiving what the preacher is laying down. My spirit is coming alive. My mind is being renewed. My spirit is being restored as I hear the word of the Lord. Well, I don't like preaching. Well, you know what? I don't care because preaching God chose preaching I didn't choose preaching I didn't even choose to be a preacher I'm telling you in the economy of God I feel this on me right now in the economy of God God chose the foolishness of preaching to bring salvation and hope to the world if I were God or you were God we might have done it differently but God said I'm going to take men and women fill them with oil put fire on them and give them something to say and when they preaching I'm going to break yokes I'm going to lift burdens I'm going to heal bodies and I'm going to do the miraculous Paul kept on going because the light in the room concealed the fact that it was dark outside and he's just pouring out revelation let me just say this before I go to this uh, the, the, the end of this it's really important the rooms we gather in in this hour. Don't create, listen, I say this to youth pastors, I say this to senior pastors, I say this to myself. We cannot afford to create spiritually dark rooms right now. It's dark outside. It can't be dark inside. We always get people tore up because they're like, well, you know, we, we like the way you preach, but them lights and that singing. It's dark. It looks like a bar. Well, my first question is, how do you know what a bar looks like? Well, 
I think light is beautiful. I think God created light. I think if you don't like light and rainbows and colors and flashes, you might not want to get to heaven. Because when we get to heaven, it won't be pink walls and, and country blue couches with home interior pictures hanging on the Apostle Peter's mansion. It's going to be a sea of glass and streets of gold and sardius stones and rainbows of every color. My God, when we get to heaven, it's going to be flashes of light and rolls of thunder. And around the throne was a rainbow. God, I feel like preaching. I think we just need to let God move and stop putting him in our religious box. I don't care what color you paint the wall. I don't care what color, what color carpet you put down. I don't even care where you put the piano and the organ. Just let me in the room where the light is burning, where the oil is flowing. I want to be in the midst of Thomas. I want to be in the midst of God's move. Slap somebody, tell them we're not going to miss it. We're not going to miss it because we've never seen it this way before. We're not going to miss it because we didn't get it out of our favorite songbook. We've made up our mind wherever the glory is, that's where I'm going. Wherever the fire's burning, that's where I'm going to be. Wherever the oil is flowing, let me in a room of light. Let me in a room of light. We're not going to miss it unless we're in the dark. And if you're in the dark, you can miss it. I'm going to tell you why. Because we always quote this scripture in 2 Corinthians. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. We stop right there and everybody's going crazy. Well, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. That's not what... We, we're shouting and we don't even know what we're shouting about. The next part of this verse says, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. So let me tell you what that means. That means your natural eye hasn't seen it. Your natural ear hasn't heard it. And your natural heart can't even take it in. And just when you ought to get depressed about not being able to see it, hear it, or feel it in your heart, Paul says, but don't worry about what you can't see with your natural eyes, your natural ears, or fear will feel with your natural heart. He said, God's going to reveal it to you and me by his spirit. In other words, there are some things that we don't know that our flesh will never inform us of, but there is a Holy Ghost that moves in a room of light where oil is flowing and fire is burning and it's dark on the outside, but God, thank you, it's not dark in here. The spirit of the Lord is bringing revelation. We have made revelation almost mystical. Revelation is simply the unveiling of what was hidden. And you must understand that revelation was not God hiding something from you. It was God hiding something for you. But you don't begin to step into the things of God until you come into a room where there is the wisdom and revelation of God being manifest. If I could articulate this and, and, and just put this into practicality, how many have ever heard someone really energetic, really, really excited, 
but you leave saying, what were they saying? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It was like you were exposed to a bundle of energy. Yeah. Or how many have ever heard something that sounded profound and it was insightful, but you left enamored by the man who said it rather than being enamored by the one he was talking about. Insight is different than revelation. Insight will lead you to the source of the insight. Revelation will lead you to the God. Hope you're catching this. Insight, I can give you insight, and insight is something personal that could come from my heart. But when I hear the whisper of God and tell, tell you what I heard God whisper to me, and revelation begins to operate in our spirit, and God begins to illuminate things, you and I, who had questions and had confusion and darkness, suddenly come into an awareness of God and his presence and what he is saying to our lives. We cannot afford to be in a dark world and create dark rooms. Keep the oil flowing and the fire burning. And so Paul, because he forgets what time it is and he loses track of time because he is not being influenced by the setting sun on the outside, the fire's burning on the inside, and he keeps on teaching. And there's a problem. In that group of people, there is a precious young man whose name is Eutychus. Eutychus is sitting in a window. Everybody say a window. The window is the only place in the house where you can experience both what's going on inside the house and experience the atmosphere going on outside the house at the same time. I am. This room has no windows to the outside. Now that door just opened and you can see the crack over there, but if we sealed the cracks and sealed the doors, you can literally stay in this room with me if we didn't have watches and a clock on the wall, you could literally stay in this room with me so long that we lose track of time. Because windows are what gives a, a home uh, the opportunity to share environments. You share what's going on on the inside, but you're also able to look through a window and see what's going on on the outside. That's why in the morning your house fills up with light because the sun, what, rises. And when the sun rises, what does it come through? It comes through the windows and the light on the outside shines in your home. But when the sun sets, the same light that was coming through your windows becomes darkness and now all of a sudden the window that was used to let light in suddenly becomes a place where you can be walking in your living room with your lamp on and see everything but look out your window and it's dark outside and Eutychus is sitting in the place, the only place in the house where you can have part of your being in the house and part outside. Read the text. He's sitting in the window sill of the house. One leg in the room where the fire is and one leg in the world where the darkness is. And my concern for us in this hour is that we have people who, who like the fiery torch burning some but they also want to sit in the windowsill and keep their finger on the pulse of the darkness around them. 
My concern is that instead of getting in the room where the lamp is burning and the oil is flowing and the fire of God is there, my concern is that we have some people, man, this is old-fashioned, but we got some people who want to have one leg in the church and one leg in the world. I'm not going to get no help because this is old-fashioned preaching. But I'm going to tell you right now, fire doesn't help you if you are exposed on one hand to darkness. And let me teach you why. The fire in the room stimulated the minds of those who were in the room. How do I know that? Because biology teaches me such. The reason why Paul could teach everyone in the room until after midnight and nobody else was going to sleep is because the light stimulated the minds of those in the room. It wasn't even spiritual. It was biological. How do I know? Because biology teaches me about something. I'm getting ready to freak y'all out because I'm getting ready to show you I got a PhD, which means nothing. Everyone say circadian rhythm. Say it again. Say circadian rhythm. Circadian rhythm is a biological, physical reality about every person sitting in this room. And your circadian rhythm is established at a place called the circadian pacemaker at the base of your brain on a place called the medulla oblongata. I'm finna take an offering up for me over this. This is, woo, I've been studying this thing. I'm impressed with my biology here. No, I'm kidding. Watch. When light comes through the lens of your eye, there are nerves and cells in your eye that run to the base of your brain and light that is seen in the lens of your eye sends a signal through those nerve endings and vessels in your eye to the base of your brain. And here's what it said, light, 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 light. And when your brain is getting stimulated by light, 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 it does not produce things that put you to sleep. In fact, it creates stimulants that help you stay awake. Circadian rhythm operates like this. At about 7 o'clock, 6.30 every morning, my body starts waking up because a little bit of light shines through my window. And the more light fills my room, the more I start waking up. How many know what I'm talking about? This is why I am a waste at a movie theater. It's a true story. My whole family's like, woo, let's get tickets, go to a movie. We're all pumped. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. We've been waiting on Spider-Man for 36 years. This is going to be the greatest movie of all time. We go into Spider-Man 14 minutes in. <laughs> Devin slapping on me, throwing popcorn at me. What are you doing? This is embarrassing. You could have stayed home if you were going to sleep. Had I known that my circadian rhythm was going to act up, I would have stayed at home. I left the house thinking I'm going to enjoy this movie but the darkness in the theater come on somebody it put me to so what happens is when darkness comes in a room this is why as a preacher I'm always saying turn the lights up turn the lights up because I see y'all start yawning why are you yawning? Is it because you don't like me or you're not interested in the message? I don't know, but I know this. Darkness feeds the medulla oblongata at the base of your brain, and it begins to release and create something called melatonin. 
when melatonin is created in your body, I'm getting ready to go somewhere. I'm, I'm about to land this plane, but I'm giving you a doctor lesson and a, the, and a theology lesson and a biology lesson all in the same sermon. Watch. When it gets dark, without you even thinking about it, melatonin gets created in your body and tells your circadian rhythm, night-night, <laughs> bedtime, go to sleep. And Deb was like, well, your melatonin is like real high. <laughs> and what happens? It doesn't look like this. It's not like you're smiling all of a sudden, you're like this. It's just like Eutychus. It said, he eased off dozing. You, you, come on, you, you know them people. <laughs> when they go to sleep, it ain't like this. It's like this. <laughs> I've been sitting in meetings. Come on, y'all. I've been sitting in meetings and people talking. <laughs> People punching me and throwing things at me. Y'all know what I'm talking about. What's happening? Melatonin. Circadian rhythm is off. See, your circadian rhythm tells you at 6.30 in the morning, time to wake up. Tells you in the middle of the afternoon, you're hungry. Tells you as you go to bed at night, it's time to turn the lights out. Sun going down, time to go to sleep. Melatonin cranks up. You start getting tired, lay in your bed, you're supposed to go to sleep. That's how your circadian rhythm works. What's the spiritual implication? When you're sitting in a window between light and darkness, you are all screwed up. Because there's part of you stimulated saying, I'm supposed to be awake. And there's another part of you that's exposed to darkness. And the spiritual melatonin starts getting released. And you start getting rocked to sleep and put to bed. And it is not time for the church to be in bed, covered up. Here's what I feel like the Lord said. In this last season we are emerging from, there has been an attempt to mess with the rhythm of the church. And the church said, I'm just going to snuggle up to the darkness. I'm not going to make waves. I'm not going to have church. I'm not going to be around the people of God. I'm not going to be in fellowship. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to hide out in my house. And when you do that and you don't come in a room where the light is on, darkness starts creating spiritual melatonin and before you know it, you don't even care about the things of God anymore. And you lose your fire. And you go to sleep. And Paul comes along and says in Romans, wake up. We got to close this message, but I need you to touch three people in your zip code and tell them, wake up. I don't know who you think you are. I don't know who we think we are sometimes, but we think we can sleep through the things of God and be blessed. And we think we can sleep through the things of God. And we got World War III happening over across the pond and everybody just going through motions and we haven't had prayer meetings. And listen, I'm telling you, we better wake up. We're not just fighting a war on the ground over there. We're fighting a war in the spirit over here. We got crazy demons trying to drive people crazy and they're trying to change genders and they're trying to tell us that we're old-fashioned and we're crazy I came to tell Shonda slap somebody else tell a neighbor wake up
Wake up! You cannot keep one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Wake up! You cannot be rocked asleep by a lullaby of religion. I don't care what they said about you. I don't care how they hurt your feelings. Get back in the room where the fire is burning and wake up! Wake So, you know, my, my Judah, my Judah, for Christmas, one of her gifts she requested was an alarm clock that had a sunrise light on it. You want to talk about it? Okay. I thought she was going to testify. I was going to let her testify. I said, Judah, what is a sunrise clock? She said, well, Dad, I set this alarm at 5.30 a.m., and this little alarm clock looks like a little sun. And at 5.30 a.m., it's dark outside. But her little sunlight comes out with a little light glow. So she starts moving around a little bit. About three minutes later, it gets a little brighter. So she... Ten minutes in, that thing has lit up the whole room. All of a sudden, she's jumping up, bouncing. I hear her up there praying, 5.45 in the morning. I say, how do you get up at 5.45 in the morning and you're not tired? I tell you how. The light stimulated her circadian rhythm. Yeah, I feel me preaching before I go to my car. I want to tell somebody your rhythm is off because you haven't been around the light in a while. But God sent me on this Sunday morning to say, wake up. The alarm clock is going off. Shatamakaya. The light is dawning. A new day is dawning. The old day is passing away. I feel God about to give somebody a new beginning in this house. Your death Destiny is in front of you. It is not behind you. You cannot die. You cannot sleep. Slap somebody. Tell them, wake up. Wake up for your marriage. Wake up for your children. Wake up for your church. Wake up for your high school. Wake up for your middle school. You cannot sleep anymore. Arise, shine, for thy light has come. Hirabahosha, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. I'm through here. Watch. One leg in the church. One leg in the world. And Paul preaches so long that the darkness on the outside messed with his circadian rhythm and melatonin started getting released and it put the young man to sleep and he slept and fell three floors and died. And somebody said, well, that was a horrible story especially to teach at a youth conference. That's where most churches leave the story. Here's how we do it, too. We say things like this. Shame on you, Eutychus. You should have been paying attention. I ain't going to get no help on this one, but I'm going to talk to the young people before I leave here. That's how some churches treat us. When we fall down, preachers say things like, should have been paying attention. 
Shouldn't have had that leg in the world. Should have been living holy. This wouldn't have happened to you had you been living holy. Have you ever seen some people in the church who have a past of their own, but when you start creating your own past, they act like they were perfect? Where y'all at? I'm fed up with Sister Pharisee and Brother Pharisee and Deacon Flip Flop and Sister Yay Yay acting like you did. I don't care how white your dress is. You needed the blood to wash you just like I did. So don't sit out there and look at me so holy. Thank God that we've not been redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but we've all been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And I think we ought to give God a praise for the blood. So, so this is where most churches leave people. They leave them laying on the ground having fallen three stories. Paul stops his preaching, goes down three flights of steps because every flight was another story. Tell somebody, tell them I'm building my story. Yeah, I'm developing my story. You don't understand why Paul's leaving his pulpit, but Paul is creating a testimony. And he's walking down the steps, and most churches leave a younger generation. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Why don't we talk about deconstructionism for a moment? Because there's a lot of churches running off and leaving their young sons and daughters because their sons and daughters have questions, and we haven't given them answers. So they run to people who don't even know the truth, and people who never met Jesus are trying to get people who knew Jesus to tear down their theology of Jesus and deconstruct their thinking about Jesus and if you don't come down off your pulpit and get down there with the fallen generation you're going to let people walk by on the streets and keep them dead but I came to preach in this sanctified church that God is raising up some apostolic fathers apostolic mothers who will come down off the pulpit and will get down in the mess with the babies and get down in the mess with the fallen ones and went oh I want you to see this text. The Bible said that the people who stood back, they looked and said he was dead. But the only reason they thought he was dead is that they never got close enough to him to hear the heart beating. Paul said, I'm a father. I'm not just a preacher, I'm a father. And Paul got down on top of him and he looked back up to the third story and he said, hey y'all, everything is gonna be all right. He still got breath. Oh God, I feel like preaching. He still got breath. Slap somebody, tell him my children are not dead. They're gonna get up in the name of the Lord. They're gonna rise up in the name of God. Somebody shout for your children. I gotta go. He, 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 hear what the book says. He embraced him. Can you put that text up there, Chad? He took him into his arms. He embraced him. I was going to my seat after Devin and I were praying. Pastor Richie was coming to announcements. And I was, to be honest with you, I was going over to hug one and 
Nadine's and tell them I love them. But on my way over there, where's my little man Tanner, my friend Tanner? Tanner, where'd you go? Come here, Tanner. Come here, baby. Tanner, Tanner, stop me. I don't know Tanner. Come on, let's walk a while, Tanner. Let's just walk. I'm tired. I'm going to rest my arm on your shoulder anyway. Tanner, stop me. He said, Bishop, I want you to pray for me because I've been depressed and I've been fighting it with different things. It's none of your business what he was using to get rid of his depression. And I said to him, Tanner, you love Jesus? He said, yes. I said, Tanner, when did you give your heart to Christ? He said, last night. And so, 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 I thought, 18, 13, 13 years old, stay standing, I'm through preaching. I thought, I can go hug Juan and Nadies and tell them I love them. But I might just need to get down here with Tanner for a minute. And pray for him. And let him know, Tanner, you're going to get up from this. And you're not going to struggle with what has been trying to destroy you. It might come back, but it can't have you anymore. Tanner, I just have a feeling that the reason the enemy was trying to destroy a 13-year-old young man is because he's terrified of what you're going to become for Jesus. Oh! Love you. Here's what I want you to see. If the church doesn't come, you just walk around like you own it, baby. It's all right with me. I don't care. Work your thing. It's all right. If the church doesn't come down off her perch and go check on the fallen. Well, they're dead. They fell three stories. Yeah, but you don't know that their fall is part of your story. And it's not supposed to end with a teenager laying on the street. It's supposed to end with an apostle, a father coming down. Covering the fallen, lifting them up, and telling the church, I'm going to come back up there in a minute because I ain't finished with my sermon. But he's going to be all right. I'm going to say this to you, and some of y'all are going to be mad at me, but I love you, and I say this with tenderness and love. If your system keeps you from coming down off your pulpit to check on the fallen... If fallen sons and daughters can just be written off as another loss and it not bother you greatly, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. We're fighting things right now for our sons and daughters that no generation has ever had to war against before. 
they are being told lie after lie. And then they come to our churches with our lamps lit on Sunday morning and some of them are still struggling. They got a leg in the world and a leg in the room where the fire's burning. Sometimes they fall asleep and they fall down. But today's the day we're going to go get some of them. Because when I read about Jesus, he didn't stay with the 99 and chalk up the loss of the one as understandable. He left the 99 and went and found the lost one. And he threw the lamb over his shoulders and he brought him back home. I don't know who fell. I don't know who's hurting today, but we came for you. You don't have to die in the street. You don't have to lay there feeling hopeless. We'll cover you. You ready for this? We'll embrace you. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I did. Somebody in this room right now is listening to me. You're ashamed that you got pregnant out of wedlock. You've been terrified to tell somebody because the church has not been a place where you can find refuge. But I want to tell you today, we'll embrace you. Does that mean we condone everything? No, it don't mean we condone it, but I don't have to condone it to love you in it. I don't, have, I don't have to agree with what you're doing to love you while you're in it. In fact, I believe this. It's my love for you that'll get you up out of it. It's his love coming through us that touches you and says, wait a minute, somebody cares. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something right now. This ain't for everybody. But I'm okay with preaching a message to one or two if the one or two who I needed to talk to come to a place of saying, Lord, thank you that they didn't leave me in this road to die. Somebody came to get me this morning. I'm glad somebody came to get Tanner this weekend. And I just have a feeling, I just have a feeling that there are some young and old people in this room Maybe your questions and your doubts grew. Maybe your spiritual melatonin started increasing. Maybe you went to sleep and you fell. And you wonder, are they going to keep moving on without me? No, I'm stopping this sermon right now, coming down off this pulpit to come find somebody who's falling down and needs to get up again. So heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one's leaving and no one's moving. Pastor Kevin, you're talking to me. You preached to me today. I need somebody to come help me. I need Jesus to come rescue me. 
If that's you, lift your hand right now. Thank you for coming already, sir. Come on. People are already walking. If your hand is up or it should be, I would get out of my seat right now. If you'll come down here, I'm coming to get you. Come on. Come on. Nobody going to condemn you. Nobody going to shame you. I need, I need to get up. I need to get up. Come on, pal. Come on. Come on, sir. Come on. Athens, you're in Athens right now. There's an altar call coming for you. I want to I wanna let everybody who's fallen, everyone hurting, everyone who feels broken, everyone who feels forgotten, I want to tell you right now, there's, there's an altar call happening in Athens and in Chattanooga right now. The Spirit of the Lord is going to heal. Come on. Come on. This altar's filling. People are coming all over this room right now. I need to get up today, Pastor Kevin. Would you come? Would you come right now? If you lifted your hand or you should have, don't be ashamed. Well, Pastor, what will somebody think about me? I came with a youth group. I, I'm, a, I'm a member of this church. People will think things about me. Who cares what they think about you? We came for you. There's someone in here deconstructing their faith. You've been trying to tear something down that God helped you to build. But God intercepted the plan of the enemy this morning. You are not going to deconstruct, destroy, and self-destruct. God is going to restore your life. Come on right now. Come on right now. I need everyone that can. Just lift your hands in this room right now. Lift your hands in this room right now. Stretch your hands toward this altar right now while people are still coming. And I want you to pray for these ladies and gentlemen like you wish somebody would have prayed for you if you needed this altar call. Will you do that right now, church? Just stretch your hand and just begin to pray over them right now. There ought to be some prayer volume back in here. Just all through here. Just lift your voice for them right now. Lord, give them strength. Lord, give them hope. Restore their life today. It's not too late. It's not too late. You've fallen, but you can and you will get up. You dropped out, but you're getting ready to step back in. The Spirit of the Lord is going to restore your life this morning. Come on, pray, church. About two more minutes, I see tears flowing and lives coming to life right now. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I break every chain right now that has pulled people into darkness and cause them to live a double-minded betwixt and between kind of life it's over i pray right now father that you will set hearts on fire set hearts on fire in the name of jesus i'm telling you if this house will pray right now god will reveal his glory to people people's eyes are coming open right now people who want to know more about jesus god is going to break through and begin to give them revelation come on pray church pray our sons and daughters need people who know how to pray till lamps flicker again till lamps flicker again till fires flicker again Pastor Greg you be released to prophesy and minister to whoever God reveals to you I just want people to lift their hands right now Tobin and Jojo come get on a microphone I want to worship if you gotta go I love you tonight at 6 you don't want to miss church get back here Wednesday night we're gonna keep teaching but right now we gotta go for broke there's a generation of people who have fallen and need to get up and I need some people in this room to begin to worship the God of resurrection. Give him glory as he begins to restore people all over this room. We thank you for it now, God. We thank you for it now, God. If the Lord's ever picked you up and you feel like God is touching your heart to pray for somebody in this altar, just come and get behind them and just gently lay your hand on their shoulder right now and begin to pray for them. God's getting people up today. He's putting you back together today. Life is still in you today. Life is in you today. You're not dead. You're not going home dead. 
You're going home alive by the Holy Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Come on, pray, church. It's happening. Pray, church. Lift your voice. Ask the spirit of resurrection and life to invade hearts and minds right now. Oh. God is doing something right now. He is doing something. He is doing something. God is doing something right now. Listen, I believe that God is speaking to hearts right now. If you've watched this message today and something said, brought strength to you and built you up in your spirit, gave you hope for tomorrow, I thank God that in this day and hour that we're living that there is a word from the Lord. And the Bible tells us we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need the word of the Lord. And today, this word, I pray, has produced faith in your heart. You want someone to agree with you in prayer right now. I want to take this moment to pray with everyone watching because I believe God's going to meet needs today. If you're lost and you feel like you're full of hopelessness and sin, just call on the name of the Lord. If you're sick in your body and you need him to touch you, you just call on the name of the Lord. If your family's falling apart and you need God to rescue your family, I want you to know there's a miracle for your family, for those of you who are watching today. Let's pray together. Father, move by your spirit right now. Someone's reaching out to you in faith, God. They need a miracle today. They need you to turn their situation around. I thank you that there's no impossibility. There's no problem too hard for you to solve. There's no mountain too big for you to move, Lord. Do it for them today. We agree together in prayer in Jesus' name that lives are being changed right now by the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Be blessed. Check us out on kevinwallace.tv, and I'll see you next week. God bless.